The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now... Here is your host, Kelly Riggs. Hey, hello everyone. Great to have you on board. Welcome to Biz Locker Radio presented by the Business Locker Room. Operating at the intersection of sports and business, this is the online show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use today. If you're looking to improve your business performance, whether you own a business, you sell a product, you manage a team, you lead a company, this is definitely the show for you. We have experts in sales and marketing and business strategy and leadership and much, much more. It is Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you with us. You can find us online at bizlockerradio.com. I'm your host, Kelly Riggs. Thanks for joining us. Find us uh, again at bizlockerradio.com. Follow me on Twitter at Kelly Riggs. Uh, and by the way, do do like I do. Download the podcast on iTunes. We do it live 3 p.m. every Monday here at Central Standard Time. But if you download it like I do as a podcast, you can listen to it on your daily commute. This is show number 44. And the content uh, in our previous shows is spectacular, and today's is no exception. And by the way, I want to give you an opportunity to win a brand new business book absolutely free. All you have to do is go on iTunes, find the show, Provide a rating and review for us. Send me an email. Tell me about it. I'm going to ship you a book free. You're not paying anything, not even shipping. We're going to take care of it. Uh, later in the show, we'll have the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin, who has been noticeably absent the past three weeks. But uh, back today, Miles, how are you, sir? I'm really glad to be back, Kelly. Uh, I'm <laughs> I can really only glad to be back. <laughs> so you've been down with uh, the proverbial flu, right? You had the flu. I had, I don't, I is like, it was flu-like. I, I can just tell you that I couldn't breathe. I had a splitting headache. My joints hurt. I had, I was just fatigued like n- to no end. And I would tell you that if you're a Amazon.com stockholder, sell quickly because all I could do was sit on my phone in my bed and order products and books from them all day long. So they've had a surge <laughs> of sales, but I'm done with it now. And now I'm getting all these packages thinking, what have I done? Well, yeah, you messed that that deal up completely. You should have told us three weeks ago you were going to be buying, and then we could have loaded up on that stock. Now, now we're in trouble. Hey, uh, we have missed you. Uh, I, I suspect that uh, you know our listening audience was cut in half because most of them come to hear what you have to say anyway. Well, thank you for that. That's very kind. But uh, I, I have missed it. I enjoy it. 
Well, great to have you back. Uh, about uh, 40 minutes after the hour, Mr. Miles Austin will be back us, back, back with us. You can find him at fillthefunnel.com. And, of course, the X's and O's segment where we drop the best plays imaginable for your business performance, always brought to you by 4D Sales, 4dsales.com. We'll talk more about them as well. Miles and I are going to talk about an interesting new online product called Unroll.me. So, Miles, uh, we'll, we'll cut you loose for a bit. See you in just a few minutes. Great stuff coming out of the business locker room. If you missed last week's show, what a great show it was as well. Had a great time in the interview with Kurt Steinhorst, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Some interesting statistics that came out of that. One of those that has stuck with me is that I've shared this with a client today. According to the research, people work only three minutes before they're interrupted, and yet it takes them 23 minutes to get back on task. We are working and living in the age of distraction. And uh, that particular episode, one of my favorites recently, I want to encourage you to go back and check that out. Today's guest has been on the show before, and I'm excited to have him back in. His name is Mark Roberts, and if you're paying attention, you can remember he was with us way, way back when. And we're going to talk about the details of his sales acceleration formula for building a world-class sales team, and Mark is also going to introduce his brand new book, which, uh, by the way, is entitled The Sales Acceleration Formula, Using Data Technology and Inbound Selling to Go from a Zero to $100 million in Revenue. You may remember him as the Chief Revenue Officer of HubSpot Inbound Sales Products. Prior to that, he was the SVP there for Worldwide Sales and Service. He's been featured all over the place, Wall Street Journal, Forbes Magazine, Inc., Boston Globe, even Harvard Business Review. And we're excited to welcome him back in. Mark, it is a pleasure to have you in the business locker room. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back, Kelly. Glad to be here. Well, good stuff coming uh, out of your neck of the wood. By the way, people uh, who don't know, HubSpot is in Boston. How many inches of snow have you guys had? Like like 12 we feet or something? counting in inches, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eight feet or something. We, we actually, I think we're 10 or 12 inches from the 100-year record. Uh, of wow. all time in Boston, so uh, I guess we're all hoping for just another ten inches, just to say we were we were there. <laughs> we were there, right? So, so you are that would make you north of a hundred inches of snow, correct? I don't even I don't remember. I think so. I think that was wow. the number, but it's uh, it's piled up quite a bit, and the drifts make it big, and uh, no one's seen it like this before. It's crazy. Well, I've got a son that lives in Boston, and he has sent me some pictures, and it is uh, absolutely crazy to be there. Uh, I don't know how you guys are getting any, anything done, but I'm sure you are. Hey, I want to congratulate you on your book. Uh, I have read it, and I have posted an Amazon review, and I'm going to encourage everybody to do exactly those two things. Go buy the book. Go to Amazon. Search for the Sales Acceleration Formula. It'll pop right up. Make sure you buy it, and after you've read it and it's rocked your world, go ahead and write a review like I did. Uh, how long did it take you to get the book finished? Uh, you know, I did a lot of it last summer. I went through Wiley, the publishing house, and when you go through a publisher, you know, they do a bang-up job, but it just takes them a little while to, to put it all together. So I think I finished it sort of in the September time frame. The nice thing about this, Kelly, was... Uh, there probably, there wasn't a word in that book that I hadn't spoken on stage a hundred times before. You know, I was right. fortunate through the, the HubSpot journey to, to be out there sharing uh, some of the things we've been figuring out and the unique ways that we've been building up our sales team and our marketing team and our business in general. And so that made it a little bit easier to write this book uh, because it is just basically writing the speech I just told, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so it wasn't too bad. 
Yeah, it's tough when you're forced to write a book or when you think you have to, but when you're living it out and you only have to put the words on paper, pretty simple. In the introduction, you start like this. I want to read a short excerpt uh, for those who are listening. Quote, scalable, predictable revenue growth, unquote. You say, I jotted these four words down on a notepad. I had just signed the paperwork to join a three-person marketing software called a uh, software startup called HubSpot. Uh, you had met the two founders. You were students together at MIT, and you were on this big mission. Your job was to build the sales team. What people should know by now, but if they don't and they're listening, you were an MIT-trained engineer. What, what, what was going through your mind as you sat down with these two guys, and you were the head of the sales team, and you were an engineer in background? <laughs> To be quite honest and personal on it, you know, I I just graduated uh, business school at that time. That's where I met those guys. I was an engineer undergrad. I, I started my career writing code. Um, you know, I I just had my wife had a baby and we got we were pregnant again. And I was an, a CEO of a startup that of my own startup that I was struggling to get my next round of funding on. And you know, I was working with these guys. You know, we were all kind of part time trying to figure this HubSpot thing out too on the side. Uh, and uh, I was honestly just a little worried about the $100,000 loans I'd just taken out and, and being a dad <laughs> and all that kind of stuff that I, I was like, okay, I got I, I to gotta get some you know, real cash flow coming in here. So my first mindset was just survival. And I think, uh, you know, I was excited that I had an opportunity to go from my startup to another startup with two guys that um, I'd grown to work with and enjoy being with and enjoyed their mission. And, you know, in that type of context, of course, I'm going to lean into my, my professional, uh, you know, comfort, which is a lens of data, technology, and predictability. You know, so I wasn't like, hey, let me see if I can apply this engineering mindset and see if it works. And if it works, it'll be cool. I can write a book about it. It was like, I have some serious life responsibilities right in me, and this thing better work, and this is the way I've gotten things to work in my life in the past. <laughs> that, yeah, that's incredible. You know, it, it's like you know, burning ships at the shore. Or either we're going to do this or we're not. But obviously, a tremendous amount of responsibility associated with it. Well, it, it is a it is a fantastic book, and and I mean that sincerely. I, I read so many books and so many sales books, and there's a lot of good ones out there. And uh, this is one of them. I'm I'm mesmerized by the whole idea. I guess because. Uh, although unlike you, I didn't finish engineering school. I did go to school to be an engineer, and I think I think along those lines sometimes. But I, I'm really, I really like the way you laid it out. You start by talking about hiring, and you have a sales hiring formula. Um, some people may struggle with the sense of even having a formula for hiring, but then you've got the sales training formula, and then the sales management formula. Of those three, I want to ask you which one was the most difficult early on. Hiring, you know, early on or whenever, it's the most important, it's the most difficult. It's, it, it, you know, as much as I try to make it formulaic and predictable, it, it's, it's hard to nail it every time. You know, so all you can strive for is, is, is like that batting average, you know, and, and getting that batting average as high as possible. And, and it, it's, it's tough and stressful because it is the most important of, of all those elements. You know, even when we were four guys in a garage and, and I jumped on and, 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 you know, our CEO was like, okay, start hiring a salesperson a month. You know, I had no resources. I had no recruiter. I had no trainer. I had no management team. 
you know, I looked out in the next few months and, and what it would take to do an A-plus job in hiring and training and managing, and I knew I couldn't do it. It, it, it would have been like a 150-hour work week. And, and I asked myself, well, if I'm going to do an A-plus job on one of these and kind of try to get by on the other two, what should it be? And it was no doubt in my mind that it should be hiring, you know, because if, if I could just bring in the top people, and even if I did an okay job on, on training them and managing them, top performers find a way to win. Versus if I don't do a great job on hiring and bring on mediocre people, even if I'm a killer trainer and a killer manager, it's going to be an uphill battle. So hands down, that, that's always the most important element in my mind. Did, did you hit the ground running? Did you, were, were you able to hire some top flight people early on? Or did you struggle a bit? Or how did it, how did it unfold for you? A little bit of both. I think I did, you know, obviously did a good job early on. Otherwise, we wouldn't have made it, you know, as that critical of an issue. But, you know, um, some people did better than others, and we learned a lot. And it's not that those people aren't good salespeople. They're just not good sales. They weren't necessarily right for our context. And that was kind of the big takeaway that I had from my first year of experience there was, you know, I was really obsessed with how these people were doing today at their current companies. And that certainly was a factor um, that, that correlated pretty strong with success, but it wasn't the only factor. And there were plenty of people that came from environments where they were like the top rep out of like 800 reps. And I got them to join and they, they didn't crush it at our environment. And, and that, that experience helped me realize how, you know, you really need to appreciate how your sales context is unique and think through who the right hire is going to be for you. Well, when you think about the idea that most salespeople or sales managers rather have when they approach hiring, and that is to hire that great resume that, you know, number one out of 800, you go on to talk about five traits that great salespeople have and how to interview for them. When you look at that particular individual in your, and you think about it in your mind, which one of those five traits was that individual missing? Number one out of 800 didn't do as well for you as you would have liked. Which one was missing? Coachability. You know, so the wow. five were coachability, curiosity, intelligence, prior success, and work ethic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, that was the one that the coachability aspect was one that I didn't even have in my initial 10 criteria that I initially theorized would be our criteria. It took, you know, going through that first year and watching some people crush it and watching others struggle and asking myself, what am I missing here? And it was the coachability. You know, some of the folks were just like, well, hey, listen, I know, thank you for the guidance here, but I know how to sell. I'm going to lock myself in a room for a month and figure this out on my own. And we had such a unique environment. Just everything we were doing from, our, from the way we were selling to what we were selling, none of it had been done before. And it took a lot of collaboration amongst the team and, and codification of the best practices and then absorbing it as a team. And for people who weren't good at that, they just didn't make it. Wow. My guest is Mark Roberts. He is the Chief Revenue Officer at HubSpot. He releases his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula. You can find him online at Twitter, on Twitter, at Mark Roberts. That last name is R-O-B-E-R-G-E. And of course, you can find him on the HubSpot blogs. I encourage you to read the HubSpot blogs. A lot of great material coming out of there, and, and uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. You, you know, it, I think most sales managers, in a moment of candor, will suggest that it really is difficult to to find great salespeople consistently, and many times we're sort of relying on luck, Mark, but 
you brought it down to, to a formula and you've got these five things, coachability, curiosity, intelligence, prior success, and work ethic, which you mentioned. How did you work your way down to those five? Did you just simply analyze the ones that were very successful and pick those out or did you pick them out of a hat and then measure everybody? How did you go about that process? Yeah, and the, you know, as I pointed out, the To ask someone, what do you look for in a salesperson, it's a little bit of a dangerous question because the answer to that question for them is probably not the right answer for you. However, the process like you're asking about here, Kelly, to find your answer, I think is the same for every company. It's a pretty simple process. Um, You know, just... I, I literally just wrote down the 10 criteria that I thought would correlate with success, and I was disciplined about defining what I meant by each one, and I was disciplined around what might a score of a 1 or a 5 or a 7 or a 10 be like, and I literally scored every single candidate and every hire against that criteria. And, uh, uh, you know, when you make a handful of hires in a year, even that that process is very useful, you know, to, to have someone mature in your environment for three, four, six months and, and then, you know, see how they do and, and then go back and, and check that against the observations and do that across a handful of people. And you can start asking yourselves qualitatively, what's the pattern here, you know, of this criteria, what seems to be really predicting whether people do well, what seems to really predict whether people don't do well, and what am I right. missing? Like I set up this 10 criteria, what am I missing? And then, you know, we were, we were fortunate that we were going fast, you know, sale, one salesperson a month, then two salespeople a month, and three salespeople a month, you know, really fast. And it wasn't long before I had enough data to actually do a regression analysis, you know, get one of my MIT buddies to come over and, and, and do a statistical correlation to see which of these scores was actually doing well. And, and you know, you can iterate it on that every six months and hone in on the right answer. So that, that's how we came to those conclusions. Yeah, it's good stuff. Most people would look at prior success. Even intelligence, I think, uh, typically is is one of the indicators we look for in salespeople. But curiosity, coachability, and work ethic, put all those five together, folks, and what you have is a sales hiring formula. You'll find it in Mark's book, and it is a good one, the sales acceleration formula. We're going to take a quick time out. We're going to come back on the other side of the break, and we're going to show you a couple of other formulas. I'm going to turn it over to Mark and let him talk about the sales training formula, how you set up a predictable sales training program, and then in from a management perspective, metric-driven sales coaching and what it'll do for you. I can tell you what it did for HubSpot, zero to $100 million in revenue in only seven years, starting literally in a garage and now a very successful concern. He's Mark Robert. Stay with me. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to Biz Locker Radio on Voice America. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. 
How do you take a company from zero to $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm John Spence, one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room with Kelly Riggs. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Great to have you here on Biz Locker Radio. Brought to you by the Business Locker Room. Again, uh, after the next break, 40 minutes after the hour, Miles Austin will join us for the X's and O's segment. Today, we're going to talk about Unroll.me. Our guest today on the show, I'm really excited to have on board, Mark Roberge of HubSpot. He's got a brand new book out. It's doing well. And you were telling me at the break, Mark, uh, that you guys are doing something special with the proceeds. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, we have a bunch of objectives with the book, you know, help a lot more entrepreneurs and business owners and sales leaders. We, we want to get our thought leadership out in the sales arena. But, you know, we, we really, we got all the proceeds to go to build.org, uh, which is an organization I came across last year and just really hit home with me. Uh, so what this organization does is, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that grew up in a tough neighborhood, a tough home, kind of started to get disengaged with school and high school. And, you know, there's programs like the Big Brother, Big Sisters program. There's programs that get them engaged with start, uh, with sports. Well, what Build.org does is, is take those kids and get them engaged with entrepreneurship, which is really cool, and kind of get them back engaged with themselves and life and, and school by getting them to start a business. And they've had huge success in doing that and taking these kids out of some tough situations and having that, starting that business, you know, bridge themselves to a good, great run in college and all that kind of stuff. So all the proceeds of the book will be going to, to build.org. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, I just can't say enough good things about that. If it wasn't good enough reason to buy the book just because of how good it is, folks, the proceeds going to this excellent organization, build.org. Find it on Amazon the Sales Acceleration Formula, Sales Acceleration Formula on Amazon, and it's available both hardback and Kindle. Is that right, Mark? That's right. Already. Okay, get get both of those. And uh, take the time, folks, after you've read it, uh, leave an Amazon review. Tell people what you think about the book. Tell your, tell your friends and other salespeople about it as well. This is one you want to add to your library. It's going to get uh, a shelf life, I think, that's going to be pretty impressive. At the very end of the sales hiring piece, Chapter 4, you talk about the ideal first sales hire. Expound on that just a little bit. Yeah, sure. So that's a big question, especially for CEOs of small businesses and founders. That's a huge call. Who's your first hire? Right. And so many of them are like, well, you know, we're, we're going to take down this big Fortune 500 company. I want to get one of their big sales executives to come over and run my team. 
And, you know, that's, that's, it sounds like an, 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 an interesting instinct, but the first person that person is going to do when they come over here is be like, where's my assistant? You know, <laughs> they're not used to working in a smaller business. They haven't sold something in, uh, in probably a couple of decades. Right. right. So, so there's a lot of mistakes with that make that first, that first hire. And the other thing that happens too, is that maybe go get the top rep from that company. Well, mm-hmm. guess what happened when that top rep joined the company, they had a few thousand employees. They had a well-crafted training program and blueprint that that rep just had to follow. The first thing they're going to do when they get to your company is, Hey, where's the blueprint? Where's the pitch deck? Do I use WebEx or GoToMeeting? You know, <laughs> and right, exactly. like, well, I thought I hired you for that. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of strategy that comes in that first hire. And, and what I like to look for are, you know, people that aren't too far from that front line, you know, because they're going to have to come in and sell right off the bat. But they also have a little bit of leadership experience, whether that's in the world of sales management or the world, world of entrepreneurship, um, uh, to be able to kind of build these processes for you, think out of the box and innovate a bit. So I love sort of like a failed entrepreneur who came up through Oracle's sales training program and then tried starting a business and now is looking for something to do. Or I like someone working at sort of a, a mid-sized company who recently got promoted to a sales management position, so they're not too far away from, from selling. But, you know, huge, huge call for a founder or CEO in that first sales hire. It's, it's, it's important. Yeah, the next part of your book, you talk about setting up a predictable sales training program. And I'm trying to put myself in your spot. Here you are. You've just hired your first couple of sales reps. You're, a, you're an MIT-trained engineer. You've come out of Harvard Business School. And now you're going to start training salespeople to be effective in selling. What prepared you for that? Or did you start from scratch once again? Yeah, I mean, I, I, in the first year on the job, one of the things I did was took uh, 30 VPs of sales in the area out to coffee to learn what I could, and I learned a lot, but some things I challenged, and this was one of them, because it seemed like when I asked them how they trained their reps, they actually just said, hey, you know, Bob, welcome to our company. You remember Sue. She's been here two years. She's our top rep. Your training is going to be sitting next to her for two months. Right. And that didn't feel scalable nor predictable. Um, so I, I wanted to move away from that ride along strategy and went out to kind of build, uh, uh, a formal training program. You know, it's simple at first, just build a sales process, you know, have a separate slide presentation for each one of the sales processes and then set up a certification program for each one of those stages in the sales process so that you can quantify success of how people are doing against it and, and set clear expectations for these new hires on what success is. And then similarly on the product side, we would do a 150-question exam at the end of, uh, at the, end of the, the, the whole sales training process. So really just tried to create more of a blueprint that would allow these folks to kind of add their own special sauce to the process, but also provide them some guideposts along the way and then quantify the success to make sure that we're on, on the right track. The other point that I'll make there is, this day and age, it's so important for salespeople to kind of live and breathe what it's like to be in the Dale, the life of their prospect, you know, because, you know, there's so much information accessible to prospects and buyers today. They actually don't even need salespeople to some degree. So the best salespeople are really able to step up their game, really feel and understand what it's like to be with that prospect and connect with them and then customize the generic messaging from their collateral or their website to the needs of that prospect. In order to do so, 
we as sales leaders and CEOs need to put our salespeople during the training process in the seat of the buyer as best we can. So every single salesperson that came up through HubSpot, the first month they spent building a website, building a blog, building a social media presence, uh, creating landing pages and calls to actions and doing email campaigns and lead nurturing campaigns on a business that they made up all on the HubSpot software. So by the time they came out of that training, they could school most of the marketers they spoke to on these subjects because they'd had such great hands-on experience with them. And that was important for them to be able to succeed. Yeah, I think that's incredible. I love that approach. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that people will listen. You know, I, I tend to think that there's a traditional group of sales managers out there that, that think of selling more in some magical potion and something you're born with or you're not. And of course, uh, data analytics and so many other things have become a part of the sales landscape. But in your book, just in the table of contents, I'm sitting here looking at some of the words that you use, predictable, uh, methodology, uh, process, iteration, you know, manufacturing a trust and those kinds of words, you, you actually have been able to take the pieces and parts of this and really turn it into something tangible that can be replicated and duplicated. And that was, that was really your objective all along, wasn't it? It was. I mean, it, it, like you said, it, sales has always been perceived as this art form in black box. And, uh, you know, there are certainly aspects to it. You know, there's certainly some you know, some stuff that happens is qualitative that can't be quantified. But especially this day and age uh, with the Internet and SaaS and B2C to B and the consumerization of IT and all these different trends that, you know, it, it can be, you know, more and more sales teams are moving inside. There's a lot more data at our fingertips. This type of engineering mindset, you know, it, it has huge ups, you know, huge, huge advantages to it when you, when you attach that to a sales uh, process. The third part of the formulas that you bring into the book is the sales management formula. And chapter seven is about metric-driven sales coaching. I suspect most sales managers would say, well, that's what we do. We're, we do metrics-driven sales coaching. We look at numbers and profit and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But your first chapter or first part of that chapter is implementing a coaching culture throughout the organization. And that, that can be quite different, Mark. Tell me how you first started and, and how you began to unroll that idea about creating this coaching culture. Yeah, I just think coaching is the most important thing that managers should be doing. And unfortunately, I think a lot of managers perceive their job as managing the forecast and pipeline, kind of pushing Excel spreadsheets and papers around. And I really want to make sure that we are maximizing our time on coaching. So what I do is, um, you know, first off, just thinking about what a great coach is. And I often make an analogy to golf where I've tried to learn golf for a couple of decades now and taking some <laughs> lessons and had one golf pro had me take a swing and then told me to turn over my grip, lean back in my stance a little bit, pour more, more weight in my right foot, think one o'clock, not two o'clock on my backswing and put a little more wrist action during the contact of the ball. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Sounds fantastic, but where do we start? Versus right. another coach, you know, he saw all that stuff, but he started with the grip and we worked on it for half an hour and then, and then we moved on to the stance, right? And, and that's really the best analogy I can give to exceptional sales coaching and management is, you know, these, these managers get these new salespeople 
hired into the company and, and they can see the, the, you know, 90 things that are wrong with their current process, but they can boil it down to the one or two that they want to work on this week that'll make the biggest difference and really customize a coaching plan to do that. And the best managers and coaches will use the metrics to do that diagnosis and, and to start with the metrics to analyze where the salesperson is struggling the most. And that's really the foundation of metrics-driven sales coaching. So to, you know, as the organization grew from 10 to 50 to a couple hundred, um, it, you know, the way that I'd, I'd, you know, push that type of thinking through the organization is on the second day of the month, I'd simply just sit down with my directors and VPs, all of which who had a handful of managers and dozens of salespeople under them. And we went through every single salesperson and they told me, what is the one skill you guys are working on with this salesperson this month and how are you going to do it and why did you come up with that skill? And because I was holding that meeting with each of my VPs and directors one-on-one, well, of course, they had to have that meeting and same discussion with their managers that morning. And because those meetings were happening, of course, the managers had to sit down with each one of their reps on the first day of the month and go through the numbers. And that was a really important part of the, the metrics-driven culture is every salesperson knew first day of the month, you know, they're sitting down with an, for an hour with their manager and going through the numbers. And it wasn't just this is how much revenue did. It was, you know, the meeting was basically like, hey, you know, Kelly, how'd you forget about the numbers for a second? How'd you do last month? What do you think you did well? What do you think you want to improve on? And now let's dig into the numbers and let's look at total dials and activity. Here's where you stand. Why do you think you're at the top or why do you think at the bottom? Now let's look at connects. Now let's look at discovery call. Now let's look at the demos you did. Now let's look at your total bookings and your average sale price. And now let's take a step back. And now that we've gone through all the numbers and done the quality of assessment, What's the one area you want to work on this month and how can I help? Right. So it's this really nice, you know, co-creation meeting. Um, and, and by having my meeting set up with my directors and the managers, et cetera, it pushed that culture, that coaching culture through the, through the whole organization. Well, and, and that becomes true performance review and true performance management and true performance coaching. Unlike the traditional corporate approach of let's wait till the end of the year and do some sort of uh, perfunctory review based on some competencies that nobody really understands anyway, put down some numbers and give you a cost of living raise or something like that. I mean, you're really moving the needle in terms of what people need to improve to impact uh, the amount of money they make. We didn't even do annual reviews for the salespeople. I mean, it's just such a long time, especially for this millennial generation. It's crazy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I laugh with these interviews that I do with the millennials. I'm like, where are you going to be in a year? And they're like, a year? A year? I can't even, th- that's so far from <laughs> You know, it, it just doesn't, you know, it, it just doesn't work. So we, we didn't do the typical one-year review, three or 4% raise. We, we set up some hard you know, and fast numbers that if they achieve these numbers, they get a bump in their, their, their rate and, sa- and base and they get more options. And there was never tenure associated with those metrics. Um, some people achieved them in six months. Some people took 18 months. And the month-to-month development and coaching, everyone was, you know, really honed in on that because they wanted to get to those numbers as quickly as possible. You know, one of the questions that occurs to me is there becomes a point in time at HubSpot where you need a layer of managers. You, you need managers managing people. You're talking about a couple hundred salespeople at one point in this conversation. Tell me how you went about that. Did you, did you elevate people internally? Did you bring outside people in? Did you blend those? What was your approach? 99% uh, internal. Uh, and it's just because we were running such a unique system, it was hard for me to find anyone that I could bring in 
with the credibility they could lead a team right off the bat. Um, so, and it was actually really nice from a recruiting standpoint because, you know, there were some young people that came in with not a lot of experience that moved up to management very quickly because they did so well as an individual contributor, but also demonstrated the, you know, the qualities we were looking for in a leader. And that, you know, that got around town quick and, and folks knew that, you know, they could, they could make that path happen for themselves. So I don't know, in hindsight, it might've been better to be able to bring some folks in from the outside just so it didn't hinder scale as much, but it worked, it worked pretty well for us. And we established a, a nice program where, you know, there were certain, you know, benchmarks that they needed to hit to be considered as a leader. Then they went into a, you know, a two month leadership training curriculum that we'd assembled. And then they, we gave them a trial run by having them hire their, their first salesperson while they remained as an individual contributor and have mm. them mentor them for like one or two months just so they can feel out the experience and we can see how they, they deal with it in a live situation. And so that, you know, by the time they got to that management role, they'd been through a lot and they, they, were, they were very clear on what the role entailed and we, we were, had a pretty good indication how they're going to perform. Wow, that's good stuff. We've got about three minutes before our next break, and, and I don't want to get away without talking about sales compensation. And, and you, you dedicate an entire chapter to this. In fact, one of the things I want to ask you about is the best contest you ever run. So you ever ran. So let's add, let me start there. What was the best contest you ever ran? And let's back our way into sales compensation. As sure. I mean, sales contests are so, so effective. You know, I run them every month. And we often would run them, in the, especially in the beginning, making more team contests as opposed to individual ones. It really reinforces the culture and have them team prizes too, like a, you know, a cruise or, or a, you know, a ski trip or you know, go to a sporting event or a dinner or something like that. Just it's team, team, team all the way. It's really fun to see how things unfold. They're great ways to reinforce sort of like short-term behavior things. Like, hey, the summer's coming up. We need some pipeline. So let's run a contest in May or June around activity or something like that. So <laughs> this one, the, the, the first year, I was really frustrated with how the team was uh, doing their forecasting. And they had happy years, and they didn't know it. And they were telling every, me every time, I just got a great demo. They're going to close. And so what I did was I set up a contest. I said, here's the rules. You do a demo, and you have until the end of that day to decide if that prospect is going to close by the end of the month. If you think they're going to close, write them up on the board. And you can put a score next to them, up to 100. And, um, and at the end of the month, we're going to go to that board. And if you closed them, I'm going to circle them. And you get those points. But if you didn't close them, I'm going to cross them out. And we're going to subtract those points. <laughs> Guess what the uh, winning score of the contest was, Kelly? It was like two. <laughs> Negative 70. so they were like all right you proved your point we have no idea we have no control over this so yeah you can get really fun and creative with those contests and and they're great ways to to drive uh behavior but it made a really great point to your people clearly i mean they understood that they had to be a lot more mindful about projections and those kinds of things and and salespeople as a general rule tend to be overly optimistic i think (laughs) absolutely he is Mark Roberge, and he is uh, the Chief Revenue Officer at HubSpot. Fantastic new book out that you absolutely have to make a part of your library, The Sales Acceleration Formula, Using Data, Technology, and Inbound Selling to Go from $0 to $100 million. You can find my Amazon review online on Amazon. I encourage you to read it. I call it the Thinking Man Sales Book, and I think you will too. You need to grab a copy. It's going to benefit build.org. And that is an organization that uh, Mark cares a lot about. 
and want to encourage you to uh, just contribute to that whole piece. Mark, great having you online and on board with us. Thanks for joining BizLocker Radio this week. Yeah, big fan of the show, Kelly. Thanks for having me back. Uh, good stuff. I appreciate it. Hey, we're going to take our last time out. And as promised, we'll come back on the other side and uh, our long uh, forgotten guest almost. Three weeks he's been out with the flu. Miles Austin will be on board for the X's and O's segment. It is brought to you by 4D Sales. Stay with us. I'm Kelly Riggs. I'm your host. You're listening to BizLocker Radio. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Hi, this is Kelly Riggs, the host of BizLocker Radio. How do you take a company from zero to $100 million in sales revenue in only seven years? Learn how in the brand new book by Mark Roberge, The Sales Acceleration Formula. As the chief revenue officer for HubSpot, Mark Roberge hired, trained, and managed a sales team to create over 12,000 new clients in 70 countries. Now in his brand new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula, he shares the art and science of building predictable sales revenue from the ground up. Learn how this MIT-trained engineer put data and technology at the foundation of his sales methodology to grow from zero to $100 million in sales in only seven years. The Sales Acceleration Formula will teach you how to predictably hire and train salespeople and scale your sales revenue. Pre-order the Sales Acceleration Formula by Mark Roberge at Amazon.com today. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Yeah, great to have great uh, Jeff Shore as a part of the coaching staff here in the business locker room. I tell you what, one of the great things that we've been able to do at the biz locker room is put together just a phenomenal group of people who contribute to our our blogs every month now as we wind up at tomorrow, Randy Conley, the trust practice leader uh, for the uh, Ken Blanchard companies. His uh, blog post will come out. I want to encourage you to jump on there. Listen to these names. John Spence, one of the top 100 thought leaders. Marissa Levin, fantastic founder and CEO of a successful company. Jeff Shore, an author and sales expert. You just heard from him. Stephen Gaffney, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, a communications expert. Randy Conley, Jack Malcolm, one of the very best in the sales presentation world. Josh Miles is our marketing guy. And of course, my good friend, Miles Austin, the web tools guy. You can find him at fillthefunnel.com. And he is finally, finally back on the show. I mean, I, I was re- you're really starting to hurt my feelings, Miles. I was thinking you didn't like me or something. You know that's not the case, man. Believe me, it, it's um, 
for any of us, I think, one week down, you say, okay, it'd be kind of fun for a few days just to relax, you know, catch up on some sleep and maybe get a little reading in. Second week was dragging on, and by that third week, and I, I think we were talking before the show, I, I was feeling better, but my voice was completely gone. And, and I realized, man, I have got to really take care of one of my tools that I make a living with. Because if I can't talk clearly or if I'm coughing all the time, I'm out of business. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like uh, to go three weeks without the ability you know, to, to speak. Because again, like you, that's all I do is teach, train, coach, uh, speak at meetings, all kinds of things. And boy, I talk to you on, on the telephone and you just, you, you could barely get a word out and clearly you, you sounded awful. We're, we're so glad to have you back, man. I'm, I'm glad you're back. And we've got a, a, a great product on tap today. But I do want to talk about our sponsor of the X's and O's segment. Miles and I are huge, huge fans of 4D sales. And, and uh, Miles, they are doing a lot of new things now. And I know you're right in the middle of that. Tell me a little bit about 4D sales as, uh, as our sponsor. Well, look, I think anyone that's in sales, anyone that's in business has realized the impact of tablets. Uh, and, you know, I'm an iPad fan, so I'll just use that term. But um, it, it is far and away probably one of the most uh, quickly adapted tools and a change in how we interact with customers, whether it's a one-on-one engagement that you're dealing with or you have small groups or even you're projecting to a large um, room of people. The ability to use that iPad um, has been really helpful. The challenge has been how do I get all that information and how do I manage that as a leader to get all of my reps to have, whether it's one or a thousand, to have the most current information, to have the best presentation of our company and our solution to our clients. And that's what 40 Sales has given us with their amazing product. Well, what I like too is is one of the side benefits, many thanks to Brian Carpenter and the team over at 40 Sales. Not only do you have all of your sales collateral right in front of you, to use in a visual format. It doesn't matter what they are, folks. It could be a price list or a brochure or a slide deck, even a, a live web page, videos. They're doing a lot of things there. But one of the things that they have found out that happens as a result of integrating 4D sales into the organization is how much better the training aspect for new salespeople goes. Miles, just the idea of putting all those things together and having to learn where they are and work through them, it it's, it's becomes a great training tool as well. And that, that's really a nice piece. Well, it is. And you know, you mentioned, Brian, I would just tell you guys, a lot of us, you know, we deal with companies all the time. If you want to experience not only a great tool, but a company that gives a darn about their customers, they want to learn from you, they want to hear what you're doing, what's working, or maybe some suggestions, Brian and that team are, they have maybe the biggest ears I've seen in quite some time as a product creator. They really want to engage with you, and they value your business and your input. Yeah, they really, really do. And they are the sponsor of the X's and O's segment. That's where we draw off the best plays imaginable uh, for you, those of you in business. And uh, this week, we got a great play on tap. And, and I was excited when you told me about this. I checked it out, and I, I'm going to be a fan. I know it is something called Unroll, U-N-R-O-L-L, dot me, Unroll dot me. Miles, what in the world? What are we talking about today? Well, you know, I'll tell you, it's one of those tools. I, I have yet to meet anyone in business, anyone in life that, that says, yeah, you know, my inbox is kind of empty right now. I, I wish I had more email coming in. It's a vital part. It's the, it's the lifeblood of our society. There's no question about it, even more so, at least in my world, than social media is for keeping up with what's going on and communicating, especially in a business environment. It, email is still, as we've talked in the past shows, is still clearly 
clearly the most predominant and most successful way to communicate with your business clientele. With that said, um, what Unroll does, unroll.me, is it gives you one way to approach cleaning up your email by saying, here's all of the subscriptions that you might have and gives you an ability to manage those. Kelly, let me use an example, and I just did this about two weeks ago for the first time. This works with Google, uh, with your Gmail account or Google Apps account. That's what it's focused on, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I use Gmail for uh, you know, more than half of my business communication. Uh, let me ask you, how many subscriptions do you think you have in your email box, in your email account? Just, just a guess. Oh, two dozen maybe? A lot, right? I mean, that's right, a, it's a bunch. Absolutely. I, I thought because I'm a, a, like you, a voracious reader, and I'm always testing, and you know, I'm I'm a conversion uh, fanatic. Um, I thought oh, I might have, geez, I might have a hundred of these things. And this is a true story. I have the screen capture from it because I thought people aren't going to believe me. I have. Here's what it says. Once you do that first step, and when you use Unroll Me, which is free, it says we finished scanning your inbox. Now, drum roll. We found. 681 subscriptions in my Gmail account, Kelly. Holy cow, I'm living in a dream world. You know, I'm just trying to think of the ones that I read routinely. That could be true. I mean, it could, it could literally be 100 or more. Tell you what, next week, if you, if you, if you want to play with Unroll, do this and capture that first step. We'll compare notes. I was blown away. I knew I have a lot. As I said, I know I'm more than the typical user probably because of the nature of my business. But 681? And their their concept is pretty clearly. You you're spending too much time subscribing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jeez. well, and you know what's really funny is you're you're it's it, you look back and one of the premises of what Unroll does it says look you might have signed up for something literally five six years ago and you got an email or maybe you downloaded a book you know an ebook or something like that or you know it's good doesn't mean it's bad and it was helpful and then you got four or five more etc. But all of a sudden, three or four years later, you don't even know who in the heck this company's name is, right? And yep. so it just helps to, to, to do it. Now, I will also tell you, and this is, this is unique, at least in my approach with this, I would also tell you that this isn't necessarily the best way to approach this, but it is a way to get a handle on it quickly. And then my recommendation is go do Unroll, get going in it, get started, but then as you get through and you quote unsubscribe, because technically you're not really unsubscribing or, or unrolling from these things, you're just not having visibility to it. And, and I, I'm a big believer in email, and, and I believe the best thing you can do is to unsubscribe. Click that little unsubscribe button on the bottom of every email that you don't want to see anymore, right? Yes. Um, some companies, as much as I hate to say it, don't put those in there. And I say those are the ones that all, if I don't see it, even if I might know them, I'll mark them as spam. I wrote a post on this a week or so ago, but you got to get rid of these idiots that aren't following the rules. But if they give you an unsubscribe button, I know in my emails, I'll always tell people, by the way, if you don't want to receive these anymore, there's an unsubscribe button right below. Click it, please, because I don't want to bother you. And very frankly, I don't want to pay to have you on my list. Um, and you don't want to have me in your inbox. So if the, something's changed, you know, you've changed a job, you have a new role, or you just aren't interested in this topic anymore, then click unsubscribe. No hard feelings. Yeah, so nothing. that's the best way to do it. 
but the truth is, as I said, when I did this, the thing it taught me was I have way more of these than I ever dreamed of, and it would be nice to get it under control while I then work back and do it, I believe, in the more professional right way for them, for that vendor, and for you, and that's to actually unsubscribe from each of these individually. Yeah, like most of the people that do what you and I do, I have a weekly newsletter that goes out. It wasn't about three weeks ago. I had somebody send me a direct email. I want to know how I got on this list. Well, if you're doing it the acceptable best practices way, you can answer that question, which I did. I went right into my AWeber account, which, by the way, Mr. Miles Austin got me using, and I found you know the exact time that they came in, which web page, what they accepted in the opt-in package, and sent all that to them. They said, "Hey, no harm, no foul. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, that's just not something we're interested in anymore." And that that's typically fine. But what I hear you saying is, is that there's an issue with unroll in the sense that it hides it from you, but it doesn't necessarily unsubscribe. And that's something you have to do, which now that kind of leads me to another thing. I'm always scared when I get these unsolicited emails that if I click on unsubscribe, it might unleash some sort of, you know, a mega virus into my computer. Is there, is there any truth to that? Well, look, there, you know, there, there's no universal. The truth is probably the odds of that are extremely small. Okay. But but the fact is it's now now what, what is true is that there's not an unsubscribe button and it doesn't look like it's from one of the legitimate email sources and you'll see them from constant oh, yeah. contact and a Weber and I mean you'll know what they look like you've right. seen them and if it's some weird thing uh, I still say give it a try but again if you're using something like Gmail remember you have a spam button up there and if you click that if you really don't know who they are and there is no unsubscribe button or it's a it's a text message that said respond or reply with your email or something or say uh, unsubscribe in the subject line. I don't do those because what they're doing, in, in not all the cases but in many, is they're saying, okay, let's watch it. I'm going to send out a million of these emails, and if someone sends back a, hey, I'm not interested email, I got a hot one on the line. Yeah, they know so, it's an active email address. Yeah, right? so you know there there are slimy people out there, unfortunately, that mess it up for the rest of us. But those I don't. If I see one of those, I just click spam uh, because so, I thought you know what, get them out of here. Yeah, you bet. So unroll me then. It, it it functions as an overlay on Gmail, and it just works inside your your Gmail inbox. Am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, it's you know the the technical term is it's a proxy, right? So all okay. those emails go into them and then come out to you in like a daily format. Um, it is secure. It's a it's a good proven product, but some people get kind of funky about that concept as well. So as I said, I what I like for liked it for is it gave me a quick idea. I got to get this under control. Though I, I knew it in my gut, but I didn't know I had 681 subscriptions going on there. Yeah, and you probably got 481 of those in the past three weeks as you were sitting around doing uh, doing what you <laughs> trying to recover, right? Oh, well, my goodness. It's the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. And uh, again, you hear me say this every week. I seriously mean this. Miles has helped me with more productivity tools than any any 10 people combined. And you need to go read his blog and his website. Find him at fillthefunnel.com. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Miles Austin. You're going to find some of the most uh, incredible blog posts that you can imagine, things that are really going to make a difference. I mean, it's not just a bunch of good ideas. It's real specific, helpful issues that will help you with, including the one that we did today, Unroll. Dot me. Get that, that uh, inbox under control. Miles, good stuff. Great to have you back in the X's No segment. Glad to have been here, buddy, and I'm uh, looking forward to keep it moving. 
Yeah, I hope you hope you stay alive out there. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. And uh, thanks to Mark Roberts, who was our guest, as we talked about his brand-new book, The Sales Acceleration Formula. Again, let me remind you, go on iTunes, subscribe to our podcast. This will be a podcast item at 6 o'clock uh, tonight, Central Time. And uh, listen to it on the way back and forth to work. You know, that drive time is a great time to get educated and uh, have something useful to listen to. While you're there, do a ratings and review for the show. If you do that, send me an email. Say, hey, Kelly, I just put a rating and review up for you on iTunes. And I'm going to send you a brand new business book. It's going to knock your socks off. We've got a great selection of signed books from a lot of our guests. Again, that's going to do it for today's show. You're listening to the Business Locker Room, Biz Locker Radio, the intersection of sports and business. Thanks to Michael Sergeant. He's our engineer. He makes us sound a lot better than we really do. And Brandy Jackson, our producer. We'll be back next week on BizLocker Radio. I'm Kelly Riggs on Voice America. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win.